started out with an alarm on my phone as to weather and fog. And we started out in fog as we drove from Lebanon, Pennsylvania to here. That's where I live now. I used to live in this area. And that's how I got to know Pastor Stewart. And uh, he and I, uh, we went on a missions trip. Some of you here were on that missions trip and had a grand time in Jamaica. And I never got back again after that trip. You did me in. <laughs> Not really. I'm just teasing. But I um, had a great time on that trip. And Pastor Stewart is a wonderful pastor and uh, genuine through and through and has his heart on the things of God. And you're fortunate to have him as your pastor. And I trust that you support him and encourage him. And um, I just wanted to say, this is from my pastor days, God loves you. I've always worried about how would I face dying? You know, I heard someone say, they don't, they, death doesn't bother them, it's just being there when they die. And what are we going to go through? And a year and a half ago, my wife um, came down with cancer. And I thought, what if she doesn't make it? Do I have enough strength to help her through? And the words came to me from the Apostle Paul. My grace is sufficient for you. And by the way, she's come through and finished chemo about a year ago and is so far so good. Just like the guy who jumped off a hundred story building. And as he fell down past the building, he, the guy on the 20th floor had his window open. And he said, um, he heard the guy flying down say, so far, so good. It's just that sudden stop at the end, right? Uh, anyway, um, it's good to be here, and I could have told that one better, and sometimes I'm better than that. I have here, seriously, I work with churches and missions. And uh, we take missions trips to other countries. We take them to the U.S., uh, we also help pastors and, and counsel pastors and encourage pastors in ministry. And that is what Jan and I are doing. Um, and uh, we haven't taken trips for a while as a result. Uh, <clears throat> but we do work with pastors and with people. And I have here in my hand some cards that are... Um, it's called Every Man a Pure Warrior, and they deal with pornography and sexual sin and all the other things, and in this day, that's a big problem in our society, in the changing of identity and all that crazy stuff. So here are some of the issues. Why is lust a problem? I thought I was the only one. I didn't know it was a sin. I can't get these images out of my head. Was I under demonic attack? Uh, and so on. So they are there. On this side, there's a QR code. You, you 
take a picture of that in your phone and it'll take you to the website and there's lots of material there's podcasts there's uh, material you can download and print and uh, to help in the struggle with pornography and sexual sin and if you need one for yourself or for someone else that you would like to give it to it is uh, a huge problem all across America and in the Church of Jesus Christ and also with pastors and so um, so there they are you can have them and in the last row if you're at the end if you would just put them on a pew somewhere I'll collect what's left over now let's ask God to speak to our hearts. We come hungry and in need of him. And um, did I finish my story? I did say that God gave me in my through wife's cancer, I dealt with death and God gave me this thing. My grace is sufficient for you. And it led me to deeper faith, and I claimed it more deeply than ever before. And I just want to say to you, God loves you too, and I don't know what you're facing. But I can guarantee you trust him. He will give you the grace you need to deal with it. And that gave me great peace, and it gives me great peace when I look to the future. Let's pray and ask God's blessing on us. Lord, we come in a world that is really pretty parched when it comes to inspiration from you. And when it comes to living in our society where people think that the only way they can deal with problems is shoot a bunch of people. In a society that has overthrown your norms and continues to overthrow them, how should we live in this kind of world? Lord, give us the grace and strength to live for you. Lord, through the ups and downs of life, and everyone has, has them, Lord, may we learn to trust you, and may you feed our souls today so that we can trust you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, for your scripture reading today, uh, it's 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 20. And if you would turn in your... Does it go up on the screen? Is it, I'm not sure what's happening. No? Okay. Then you'll just have to open your Bible or a Bible in the pew and follow along 1 Corinthians 15. And we're going to read the first 20 verses. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of, the first, of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. 
After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Now, obviously, that's the time when he wrote this. These people are still living. So if you, you could go and contact them and say, did you see Jesus? And they could explain that contact. That's what he's saying here. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I, am persecu because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was within me. Whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach. And this is what you believed. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection? Of the, of the dead. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ Falling asleep means death in Christ are lost. And if not only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Last Sunday we uh, talked about the event. I don't know what your church did, but most churches talk about the event of the resurrection. Today I want to talk a little bit about the importance of the resurrection to the Christian faith and gospel. The, the resurrection of Jesus makes a world of difference. It changes everything. I had a friend. A couple years ago, I was talking to him, and I'd been praying for his salvation and op opportunity to talk to him about Christ. And I um, said to him, what do you think happens when a person dies. 
because he was telling me he was a Buddhist. And Buddhists uh, believe that you go into nothing when you die. So I said, what happens? He said, nothing. He said, you just go into nothing. You cease. That's it. It's over. It's nothing. And I, I said to him, and then he had previously um, gone to Catholic seminary and then dropped out because he couldn't meet some of the standards of the Catholic faith. And um, he became a Buddhist. So I said to him, how is there justice for the world if there's no life after death? All the murders of the world that haven't been solved here will never receive any kind of justice. Those who rape women, who abuse children, uh, and etc., there'll be no justice for them. If they can get away with it here, they've gotten away with it. But if there is the resurrection of the dead, then every murderer, every cheat, every liar will face God. The idea of the resurrection is not just superfluous, but it is the very core of what we believe in Jesus Christ. The single most important event in history is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It changed the everything. Nothing looks the same ever since he arose from the grave. Henry Morris put it this way. It's the late Henry Morris. The bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is the crowning proof of Christianity. If the resurrection did not take place, then Christianity is a false religion. If it did take place, then Christ is God and the Christian faith is absolute truth. This switch just a little bit in our thinking. I have as my handle for my email, uh, good news bearer, as my email name. Because I love sharing the gospel, because it is good news. What makes it good news? Do you ever think about it? What makes it really good news? Well, we say that Jesus died on the cross. Yes, that's good news. But if Jesus didn't rise again, what would it mean? It means he died on the cross. It is the resurrection which verifies that good news. It changes everything. It changed the disciples. The disciples we read in the Gospels were cowering in a, in a room, uh, afraid of their adversaries and the chief priests and those who killed Jesus. And so they're huddled in a room, fearful and trembling and afraid who might knock on the door next and, and whether they would die. But after they saw Jesus, they laid down their lives for him. Peter and John, 
uh, said to the religious leaders who were some of the same who killed Jesus, it is impossible for us not to speak about what we have seen and heard. We can't keep our mouth shut. This is what happened. And we are so excited as a result. And we're going to keep talking about it. Paul said that his goal in life was somehow to attain to the resurrection of the dead. That's my goal in life. You think about it. Can you think of a better goal? So you go down and you talk to people and say, what's your goal in life? How many, think would, how many do you think that would say, the resurrection is my goal? We as Christians, that is our goal. That's what we're looking forward to. The resurrection of Jesus Christ also ensured our resurrection as well. Of the 12 original disciples, Judas hung himself. Matthias, I'm not counting him in this. I don't know what happened to him. But of the 10 left of original disciples, nine of them were killed for Jesus' name. And none of them recanted or repented or said, well, we made the whole thing up. We're just going to go die for a lie because that's a fun way to live things. Nobody does that, do they? It also demonstrates the resurrection, demonstrates God acceptance of Jesus' death. That it accomplished what God set it out to do, which was to grant us forgiveness, to cover our sins with the blood of Jesus Christ, so that when God thinks of you, he no longer thinks of you in terms of your sin. You know how that is. If somebody offends you, the next time you see them, what do you think about? What a great person they are or of the offense? You think of the offense, don't you? You frame that person within that framework. And you say, there, if you're talking to a friend, you might say, there's the person who cheated me. That's, that's how you introduce them. There's the person who hurt me. But when we forgive, that's gone. And Jesus, uh, and that's what Jesus accomplished on the cross in his death is that our sins are taken away from us and covered. And when you go to pray, God doesn't say, oh, that's Dave Keener. I know what he did. I certainly did enough to send me to hell, that's for sure. But God, through Jesus Christ, has forgiven me. And so Paul can say, there is no condemnation to those who are in Jesus. So when you pray, there's no condemnation. God accepts our prayer. When we get to heaven, there's no condemnation because Christ died for our sins. It's a wonderful truth. And the resurrection proves that God did that. Now, what else makes the resurrection so important is the principle of one. One for all. As a representative or as, as one affecting everybody. 
And in order, order to understand the resurrection and why it's so important to us, we must grasp the one for all. When Adam and Eve, in the beginning of the Bible, sinned, something changed. The whole world came under a curse, and the human beings, we are destined to die. God promised they would die, and they began dying when they did. Consequently, everybody from that point who has descendants of them, which is everybody in the earth, they all will die too. It's like poisoning a mountain spring. You poison the source, and all the water downstream is poisoned as well. And so the source of the human race is Adam and Eve and everything from them. Uh, or another way is, in 2007, I had two heart attacks and uh, five bypass surgeries, and somewhere in there, the cardiologist visited me, and I said to him, uh, Sir... What could I have done differently? I ate well. I tried to restrict my diet. And uh, I exercised and I walked a lot. And I did all those things. And what could I have done? He said, well, you could have shot your ancestors. I mean, that's the only thing we could change. But that's a hard thing to do. So the because, yes. Okay. You weren't talking about my battery, were you? <laughs> like a robot, you got to keep me plugged in. Thank you so much. Okay. Let's see if we can get that on there. We'll put it on the pocket down there. And if it falls on the floor, it's your fault, even though I put it on. <laughs> the truth of the, of the matter is that we're all facing death. I, I actually never ran into anybody 300 years old, 500 years old. Uh, they might be in the bottom of the ocean someplace. I don't know. But we all die. It is appointed unto man, God says, unto us, that we die. And then comes the judgment. So the resurrection of Jesus Christ has the power to overcome the sin from Adam. He was perfect man. And he also has the, uh, has the uh, power to overcome death, the curse. Paul says, For since death came through a man, resurrection of the dead came through a man. So as Adam, we all, can, we all are diseased, we all have bad DNA. Through Jesus, we have heavenly DNA, and resurrection DNA, and we'll be made whole. It's a wonderful thing, and no one else can do it but Jesus Christ. He is the only way. Jesus identified himself. Don't you like those words? Identified himself 
as I am the resurrection and the life. And he wasn't playing games with words. He was giving us who he is. The resurrection is found in a person. Not in what we do, but in a person. And that person is Jesus. Paul argues that we have no good news for our world if Jesus did not rise from the dead. He says, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is futile and your faith is empty. Don't you love it when people say, just have faith? In what? Just have faith. You take a ladder with the rotten rung on it, and you start climbing up of it, and the person who's climbing up says, I believe this ladder will hold me, and they step on that rotten rung, and the thing collapses, and down they come. Was it, was it a problem of their faith? No, they put, their, they put their step on it. The problem was what they were believing in. And... Faith is only as good as the object it is in. In the object of Jesus Christ. If, uh, <clears throat> if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then all we are doing is speaking lies. Do you ever think about that? You and I who believe in Jesus Christ and tell others to believe in Jesus Christ are the greatest liars in the world if there is no resurrection. And there is nothing to Christianity. It is worthless. It's a rotten rung on a ladder. Paul argues we are found to be false witnesses. This is 1515 about God. Because we had testified against God that he raised Christ from the dead. We're actually doing more than lying. We're blaspheming God. We're misrepresenting him. We're telling people about something that isn't true about God. We're making him out to be a different person than he is. But there is the resurrection. But there is none then you and I are just big liars. The whole Christian life we live makes us the greatest fools. Why be clean? Why be pure? Why love your neighbors yourself? Why lay down your life for God? If the resurrection isn't true, then we do all those sacrifices for nothing. We have the wasted lives. It's everybody else who's, who is gaining value, and we're just lost. The joke is on us. All the work in the Lord's name has no eternal value. What we did in Jesus' name has no reward. God said you are dust, and to dust you will return. And that's it. That's the end of it. 
We have no value or worth. Christ's death was in vain and the curse of sin remains in power with no prospects of hope. Furthermore, there is no justice, as I mentioned earlier. But Jesus said, the time is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come out. The ones who have done what is good to the resurrection resulting in life and to the ones who have done what is evil to the resurrection resulting in condemnation. Just a clarification, Paul tells us by grace we are saved through faith. And it's not of ourselves, it's a gift of God. And Jesus isn't contradicting that, but he is saying there is a judgment and it's not the same for everyone. I've noticed that in our climate today, in this world, someone dies and I always, when I was a pastor and was doing the funeral, they'd always figure out a way to get him into heaven. Never showed any interest in Christ, but somehow or another, they were doing better than they were down here. That's not true. It's a lie. There is a heaven and there is a hell and it's real. If Christ Christ did arise, there is a way out of the human dilemma of death. There is spiritual power that can and will raise the dead. The sacrifice of Jesus brought atonement with a just God. Therefore, We will live forever. Because of the resurrection, life has meaning. What we do matters. There is reward for what we do in Jesus' name. I'm sure I would not be a follower of Jesus if it weren't for the resurrection. Why? Follow Jesus Why go to church? Why love my neighbor? Why love God if there is no resurrection? But the resurrection and its teaching has a powerful effect. As I've been describing, and I could could list a host of biblical effects that it has, social effects, life-changing effects in how we live. And the example of this is a village chief in Teso, uh, a Teso tribe in Kenya. And this village chief severely persecuted Christians. His reason was that Christians were taking the villagers away from their ancestral uh, culture. And so he would arrest Christians who one pastor arrested more than 10 times. And a person in the village died. He, he did this arresting for 10 years. Pastor preached, put him in prison. Pastor preached, put him in prison for 10 years. And someone died in the village. And so the... Um, Pastors spoke on the, on the hope of eternity and the hope of the resurrection. 
and the need of salvation from corruption, death, and God's wrath. And when he finished preaching the funeral, the chief ran up the aisle and declared that he wanted to be born again. Because the gospel had changed him and he wanted forgiveness of the church. And he asked the people of the church, will you forgive me for persecuting you? That's the power of the resurrection. It's the power of the gospel that we have. The greatest powerful thing that you have in your life is not a high-powered rifle, but the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that I've raised your thoughts on the resurrection. And you see the difference of Christianity. While other religions may have someone who rose, they don't have them with 500 or more witnesses to the resurrection. It's just their claim. God bless you.